0: Hey guys, it's Tats here from Castagra and welcome to the Specified Growth Podcast. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and codings industry. Today's guest is Taylor Hersham. From Eden Data. Taylor, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Tats. So good
1: to see you, my friend. Thanks for having me. This is, a, this is an honor. I mean, I've been listening to the show for a while, but uh, this is a pleasant surprise to be able to be on here.
0: Uh, yeah. So, Taylor, you're an entrepreneur. We can say that. And, but it's been a whirlwind for you. So, walk us through how it all started.
1: Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yes. Cybersecurity <laughs> professional by nature. Fancy way of saying that I sold my soul to the big four. Worked at Deloitte for a while and was doing cybersecurity and audit and all the things that nobody else in their right mind would want to do. Cybersecurity started to become hot. So I had a uh, opportunity to, to kind of move up the ranks at Deloitte and, and then become a chief information security officer for a consulting firm in Austin. And then one day I just I've always been a entrepreneur and I I think I could do this for myself. And I quit my job the week before COVID started. Wasn't the best plan, but it forced me to be resilient. And I decided to start up my own cybersecurity firm. So we officially got started last summer. And now the team is up to 13 or 14 people on the team. And we've got we've touched over 100 brands. And it's been awesome. It's been a cool, cool experience.
0: Now, looking back at it, at least from my perspective, I think the timing may have been good for you. But going through being an entrepreneur, making that leap, but then just seeing all these changes, how did it feel like for you the first couple of months? Oh,
1: it felt like a dumpster fire. It was definitely a, I think it's so the saying that hindsight is twenty twenty 20 is, is just such a perfect quote because at the time, of course, myself, my family, we all thought that I was crazy. I didn't know what I was doing. I actually didn't think that I was going to start a company. I got on Upwork out of necessity and started doing contracts for people around cybersecurity and compliance, and just doing hour to hour consulting, and then starting to realize, oh, this is, this is turning into something. But originally, I, I had had my sights set. I had interviews lined up. I thought I was going to go work for another company. And then people stopped calling me because of COVID, and everyone freaked out. And then it kind of forced me down the path of hustling harder on Upwork, and then eventually figuring out how to make it into a legitimate business.
0: Interesting. So Upwork was like market research for you.
1: Exactly. Oh, I encourage it for anyone that can use it. It was life-changing because it it showed that there was a market there, there was a need and people were were paying me money on there so I figured well I I can just keep scaling this and I had no idea or no perspective of how that would look knowing that consulting itself is very traditional just hour to hour right and I figured I would just become a consultant indefinitely but of course you add additional problems like health insurance and Job security and all of these additional factors—I was making it up as I went along.
0: Well, how did you take it from Upwork, which a lot of people have access to, or even doing gigs on there, to a consulting company working with all these brands?
1: Yes. So I think the the first step I took was just establishing an actual business, an LLC. At the time, I was a one man show. And then I started getting interest from mostly LinkedIn connections, the people I would interact with. And so I had I had different contractors that I, I started leveraging for security work. And then one of the pivotal points was when I met someone that is now a co-founder at Eden Data, but they had just left Deloitte themselves, had double the experience of me. And uh, they're crazy. They were crazy enough to, to think that they should jump into the entrepreneur world as well. So that was kind of the tipping point of showing that, that people were supporting me and wanting to be a part of it. So of course, getting clients is one thing and seeing how many Upwork posts, you can kind of gauge how much need there is out there from Upwork, which leads you to believe, leads you to believe how much demand there is outside of Upwork. But having people that back you up, having employees that will come and literally put everything on the line when you're a one-man show, is like, it's, it's insane to me. And it, it meant the world.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, the cybersecurity side is becoming more interesting to me. I know typically when I think of cybersecurity, I think of business working, or it's important to businesses that have technology companies. But I know in the material side of things, that's also relevant. Like, what's, what's, what do you say to people that says you approaching them as a cybersecurity company and say, hey, you know, we, we're a physical materials company. We don't need that. We don't have a website that does transactions. What do you say to people like that?
1: You know, we get this more often than we don't, to be honest. It's usually people saying, I'm only doing this out of necessity because my client's demanding it, or I'm afraid of getting a, a fine or, or whatever the case may be. But the reality is, in the 21st century, we're all data companies. We all absorb data in some facet. What that data is, is completely dependent on the organization. So some hospitals have PHI, and that's just protected health information, but then you've got Manufacturers, you you gave an example. What was your example? The what type of company? You said uh, materials
0: companies. Yeah, yeah, materials, materials company.
1: Yeah, so they could potentially have intellectual property in the form of key suppliers or key like uh, margin information or or things that if it were to be disclosed would be damaging to the brand in some facet, whether it's either reputationally or it hurts their business in some way, uh, their bottom line rather. So. I explain this, I usually have context on who I'm talking to and say, look, at the end of the day, like, you are a data company, you have something that you're trying to protect and therefore cybersecurity is relevant to you.
0: Mm, Makes sense. Now, what are, when you got into entrepreneurship, maybe you had some preconceptions. What are some of the things you've learned that kind of uh, totally kind of surprised you?
1: Oh my goodness. First of all, that no matter how many books you've read, I I mentioned at the beginning that I've been a entrepreneur forever. I've read all the leadership books and entrepreneur books and never really I started a few companies that failed and I I felt like I knew everything and coming into this. That is so not the case. I think the other expectation is that you see everybody succeeding around you because it's easy for us to see that on social media, but no entrepreneur has gone through and started a company without hardships. So being the prepared to have the mental resilience to back that up, that's the hardest part about being an entrepreneur, hands down. You are guaranteed to hit road bumps. And it's, it's how you mentally prepare yourself for that and know that like, you know, Tats, I see you all over LinkedIn, right? I know that you are going through things that the, the rest of the world doesn't know about. And they see happy Tats doing a podcast <laughs> and being successful, but there's a billion things going on in your world that are considered a dumpster fire in your mind. So <laughs> I think people just need to understand that with the expectation. There's no, you shouldn't start a company just because you want a chill schedule or an easy paycheck. Cause that, no, I don't think that exists, at least not in cybersecurity.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think, I think everyone's facing challenges for sure. So how do you manage that? You know, when you see all the stuff, everyone wants to put on a good first step or whatever, not everyone, but many people and you see that and For it not to get to you, what what sort of things do you do to prepare yourself or manage that?
1: I think the first thing is surrounding yourself with people that support you. And I don't mean that in the cheesy sense of like someone that's always motivating you to keep going, but rather someone you can pick up the phone for and say, I am having a breakdown or I am dealing with this problem that I've never dealt with before. Having those people in your corner to have as a sounding board is it makes all the difference because otherwise you're going to keep slipping down a slope of of depression and negativity. And it happens to everyone. I'm the most positive person in the world. I had to put out two fires this morning and it just crushed me. If I didn't have people to pick up the phone for, I, I'm sure I would be bummed out for this podcast. Like it's like those kinds of things. You just need to make sure you surround yourself with great people. And then the other thing is just understanding that you need to put external factors in your life that constantly motivate you. So in my mind, it's like there's a couple of podcasts that I listen to and every time I listen to them, I want to go start a new company like that kind of stuff really fires me up. Yeah. Sometimes it's people that you surround yourself with. Sometimes it's going and rewatching a movie that fired you up, like surrounding yourself with those external factors.
0: Interesting. What are the podcasts and movies that fire up or I get give you those ideas? So My First
1: Million podcast is probably my number one. It's like the main podcast that I listen to these days because they're talking about so many disruptions in the world in every episode. So you get on there and if if you don't want to go and start a company after hearing one of those episodes, you probably don't want to be an entrepreneur at all because it's like they give, they just tee up perfect ideas. I think that from like a, I don't watch a lot of TV. I'm trying to think of like, motivational shows. I like to show billions a lot, but I feel like that's like not a good one to put out here because those people are just not great people.
0: <laughs> they're they're successful for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Now you mentioned you did a few things in the past that that didn't work. What you're currently doing is working. What are some of the changes or the skills that you learned that's helping it, it work for you now?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing is that it's It's relatively I'll do the the quotations, easy to start a consulting firm, but it's hard to defer from every other consulting firm. And so the first step that I took is figuring out how can I sit down and defer from consulting firms. And I came up with a list, and the first thing I did was, well, maybe I can work with some of the types of companies that I've already worked with, which are startups. Most people don't target startups. they're volatile. they ninety six percent of startups fail. you You know the statistics. so, I kind of went against the grain in targeting startups and building that into my business model. I think the other big thing was, well, if I'm serving startups, how can I offer a service to them that's that's easy for them to understand, easy for them to ramp up and down, easy for them to adjust based on their volatility. And so we built a subscription model that's very similar to the SaaS startups that we serve. People can hire us for a flat monthly fee. It's month to month. They can ramp up and down. Like they bring us in for specific objectives. But if things happen during that project that they didn't account for, we can help them with those things. We pretty much take on anything that falls in security, data privacy, and compliance buckets. And so we, we created rather than going the traditional route of consulting where you're a specialist, we brought in specialists that could support a package that allowed us to be almost the kitchen sink for those topics.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Now, on the cybersecurity side, how much of cybersecurity is the technology side? How much of it is sort of the procedures and systems side? And how much of it is the people side of it? Honestly, I
1: I put the majority of the, I guess, weight in the people and processes. And that's what people don't really understand. They want to go out and they'll consider the latest and greatest endpoint solution with AI, machine learning, it'll do your taxes for you automatically. Like they, they think that thats they're so enamored by that over like hiring a consultant to help them build out a whole security program. But in reality, your vulnerabilities or your risk associated with that solution or not the solution itself, but what that solution is trying to solve are pretty minuscule comparatively to you having like appropriate email security. So your employees stop clicking on emails and downloading random applications to their laptops and protecting your environment from ransomware. So to, I share all that to say, typically, the especially for startups, you already have all the technology you need to build a security program. You just need to build the right processes and people into the mix. You don't have to go spend a bunch of money on new tech.
0: Yeah. You, you mentioned one, one of the, the areas to watch for, of course, you don't want to click on everything. I mean, what are some of the more obscure security things that you've run across and having to mitigate?
1: Oh, obscure. That's a good one. So everyone's freaking out about ransomware right now and how to protect against ransomware in the cloud environment is a little bit more obscure. Typically when you're a lot of companies are cloud-based and they're remote and So you can compromise an environment to a certain extent on an endpoint, but in reality, your cloud environment where all your data, your family jewels are stored, that's really what you want to protect. So there's like some very obscure settings in AWS, for example, that you need to enable in order to appropriately protect your AWS environment from ransomware specifically. I'm trying to think of like, there's still at at the end of the day, the majority of attacks is still happening because of... I don't mean this in an offensive way, but stupidity on the human side. We saw the pipeline attack you know, last month and that was because of a old password to their VPN. Hadn't been changed, didn't have multi-factor authentication. And cybersecurity professionals have been harping on this for years and years, but they didn't have awareness. They didn't know where their accounts were. And so it's very easy to push multi-factor and better passwords and all of that, but you have to have the added element of understanding your environment. There are a lot of people that will, start up a company and they'll create an account for contractors that help them build their AWS environment. And then they leave that account open indefinitely long after that contractor's gone. Mm -hmm. So things like that are the things that we help customers all the time with, or just bring awareness to like, we're not geniuses by any means. We just know where to shine a flashlight. And so that's what we try to get customers to understand is like cybersecurity is a necessity and you don't have to pay a lot of money to implement it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I noticed that some of these websites are getting rid of passwords. I know that, you know, there's the biometric technology is always in there. Where, where is this all going? Like, where, where is security going in the future?
1: I think that right now, the we're well behind the eight ball. Unfortunately, I think security is, is coming out of the uh, stone ages and getting to the point where, first, it's going to be required. Basic security, foundationally across every company. That's the way that the US government's moving. That's the way other countries have already been moving. What a lot of people don't know about the European Union with GDPR is yeah, GDPR was forced on the rest of the world, but they rolled out very stringent security guidelines for companies in the UK, and the EU before that, and actually enforce a minimum standard. Other countries like Switzerland do the same thing. And they're also the ones with the lowest risk comparatively. So I think as a, as a nation and then worldwide, we're going to be enforcing more stringent security as a requirement. So I think that until we accomplish that, there's not going to be a lot of change that we, we see outside of that. I think that eventually we'll get to cooler things like passwordless authentication. You don't ever have to have a password again, making sure that all of this vulnerability management and identifying threats on your network is all automated and takes the human element out of it completely. Like that's the direction we're going from a technology standpoint, but we're nowhere near that yet.
0: Mm, interesting. So this... This question sort of came up while you were just talking, having security in place affect insurance at this point, insurance premiums, or is there just absolutely no linkage?
1: That's another laggard space is that insurance companies have a different process to define cyber risk than cybersecurity professionals do. So there are a few companies out there that are, that are combating this and addressing it. If you've gone through and filled out a claim or not a claim, but actually an application for cybersecurity insurance, it's a bunch of rudimentary questions that you likely don't understand because they are, they're very, I guess, specific and they are not questions that me as a cybersecurity professional would, would ask of a company to gauge their risk posture. However, you are now seeing that cyber claims are going through the roof and insurance companies are losing their bums on having to pay out claims. And so they're having to raise premiums and there's going to be a point where someone solves that problem for insurance companies to be very hyper specific on understanding a customer's risk posture before they invest in them in the form of insurance.
0: Interesting. Well there's another company for you, Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: There's another problem to solve. I think some other companies on the market are doing it better, but it's it's definitely a problem that needs to be solved quickly. So that's that's probably going to be surprisingly one of the drivers for enforcing security across the globe is that You can't get insurance until you're able to produce some kind of security program.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. As an entrepreneur, it's go, go, go. But do you carry or do you have any hobbies that you're still able to do? Or is it just all work at this point? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So
1: starting the company in the last year, I I won't lie to people. I I do work a lot, but I am also very passionate about it. So I guess I would say that during the week, I'm spending time on clients and, and work. But on the weekends, I'm spending more time on like business development and researching better cybersecurity stuff. And so I find that fun. So I would say that that's a hobby. I read a lot. We're a bit of foodies out here in Austin, Texas. So we go check out restaurants and bars and things like that. And then we also live close to the lake. And so we are on the lake quite a bit, especially now when it's friggin' hot out.
0: Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned movies earlier. I'm just curious. Hacking and cybersecurity is characterized a certain way in the movies. Any characterizations that you like or dislike in movies? Oh, my goodness. I'm trying
1: to think, like, I've definitely seen Mr. Robot, the TV series, and that, that shows weird. I think that they got the hoodie right, but that's about it. They make it seem so easy that everything can be hacked in a couple minutes. And in reality, this is a, it's an arduous process, especially for these more... Lockdown corporate structures. So that that would be very incorrect, the timing perspective. But I actually think that movies are doing a lot better about depicting the issues we're having with foreign nations these days, because that's actually one of our biggest risks right now in society. We have years and years of proof that between the US government, the Chinese government and Russia, we are being spied on, we're intellectual properties being stolen. Attacks are through the roof. A lot of that's being driven by nation states. Um, and so that is actually when they're talking about Russia hacking us or China hacking us,
0: not so far from the truth. Interesting. Okay. Well, is there anything that I didn't ask that you wanted to cover? Oh, my goodness. Fantastic question.
1: I think that, I think that more than anything, I would love, I obviously very biased opinion. I would love for just people to understand that if you are a business owner or you are a decision maker at a business cybersecurity is not going away not trying to sell you on anything but there's a lot of things you can be reading on the internet and implementing immediately and i would not kick the can down the road any longer we're getting to a point where i hate the fear uncertainty to help but what we see on a day-to-day basis would terrify a lot of companies and we love to see companies succeed i love my job because i interact with founders every day but it breaks my heart when I see companies breached and it really does cripple organizations. So I think that making sure that people understand that this is something that's not gonna go away and they should invest in in the near term. Perfect. Not really a question, more of a comment.
0: Hey, it counts. All right, thanks, Taylor. Thank you, Tats. Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth Podcast today. I also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Cats talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes, entrepreneurial tips, and more. See you over there.